0: Good evening. We are back on Source Material Live. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge, And joining us for the first time, for the last time on video and in your face, ladies and gentlemen from X Laps and all the other things that he does. It's Christian. How do you do, sir? Hey, how are you? This is this is the first time we're
1: actually seeing each other's faces. How about that?
0: Yeah, man, Uh, we picked up on the video thing a couple of months ago, Uh, (laughs) I got forced into it kicking and screaming. (laughs) It's like, oh, I gotta wear a shirt tonight, okay. You have no idea, I actually bought (laughs) a shirt for this, I was like, oh, we're talking Suicide Squad, I'm gonna get me a King Jock shirt. (laughs) I got to comb my
1: hair and everything.
0: Come on. I got to brush my teeth. I actually oh. showered for this. I haven't. <laughs> people know I've been home sick for a couple of days mm-hmm. now and uh, did not take care of my ADLs during that time. <laughs> but I'm like, but I got a date with Shein tonight. Yeah, so I got to put on my. I, I have literally used the phrase, I have to put on my face.
1: <laughs> and it's not even Saturday. So that's, yeah. a, that's yeah. something.
0: Indeed. <laughs>
1: How you been, man? What oh, you yeah. You too. Um ah, same old, same old. Just uh plugging along with X-Lapsed and the essential X Lapsed. It's every single day. Um, just about to hit the year mark here on uh well technically the last day of August. Is it do we does 30 days have August or 31 days? I can't right. remember. 31. Okay, so on August 31st, uh me and Mr. Bailey released an episode of uh, Moratory Mondays last year, and then starting on September 1st on, it was X-lapsed every day. So Technically, it'll be a year on August 31st, but a year of X-Lapsed, September 1st. So wow. it's uh, it's been a while. Um, in two days, it'll be the 300th episode of the entire X-Lapsed family of shows here uh, with, you know, regular X-Lapsed, essential X-Lapsed, all the little mini series that I've covered. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a lot of shows, a lot of I, hours.
0: That's a da- that, that's a new daily recorded show, right? For 55 yes. days.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. You beat my output. I want you to know that. Because I know <laughs> I know everyone says like I'm the James Brown of podcasting. Like, I'm the hardest working man. But like I may be putting out these, and this is what I was telling you before we started. Like, I maybe put out three or four new episodes a week. The rest mm-hmm. is all old shit mm-hmm. from, from 2013 on. And then um separately from that, I'm doing stuff with my old PC live stuff things from 2006 sure sure but that, that goes to my personal page that's not like w2m stuff but my gotcha. point is like yeah man you, you got me beat i, <laughs> I get to like thursday and i'm like done we're <laughs> like, there, it's
1: tough it's tough um i have been uh you know cobbling together some older some classic stuff
2: mm-hmm. with
1: a new coat of paint uh you know uh, re-editing remastering i don't mm-hmm. know i'm playing with the edits uh just uh I got a weird question not too long ago, not to get us off on a tangent before we get into the conversation here, but uh, I always will close out the show by telling people they can go to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, which is where you can find me. And people wrote in and said, who's Reggie? Which uh, for folks who don't know, Reggie was my uh, pod partner for about five years. And uh, he uh, unfortunately passed away last year. And, um, So I have been trying to dig through our archives to try to show this new audience uh, just the magic uh, that was Reggie. And so I'm doing a lot of, uh, not a lot of, uh, very seldom in comparison, but I am remastering some older stuff to just put a new coat of paint on it, let maybe some new ears, new eyes see it, and uh, maybe they can figure out a little bit more about uh, what makes the channel what the channel is.
0: I literally download from Blog Talk Radio and throw it up. Sight unseen. <laughs> no, no, I did. I did have to fix one. There was, there was one. Um, it won't be coming out for a long time, but there was one episode where it was one of those nights where Blog Talk Radio was just not working, mm-hmm. and there's a good twenty to thirty minute gap of me playing theme music and the other guy going hello. So <laughs> That I cut, (laughs) cut it to where it really begins. But other than that, yeah, I throw up a lot of the old stuff, and it's so funny to go back and listen to yourself. Do you find, um, real quick, do you find that like when you listen to your five, six, four, five, six year old stuff, (laughs) like how much you've changed as a podcaster? Because I know, listening to, dude, we, I thought I rambled. Now, (laughs) (laughs) God, back then, hoy vey, (laughs) we are practically curt now comparison. I,
1: <laughs> I was uh, listening to um Reggie and I had covered every single issue from the Young Animal imprint that DC put out uh, the first okay. run of it um and um to uh, fill in we Reggie had gotten uh Reggie had, this is before Reggie got sick he went on vacation mm-hmm. and we tried every which way to record that weekend um we were both using like mobile hotspots we were just doing whatever we could <laughs> like we're like praying to satellites it was insane just trying to get this thing recorded and we couldn't mm-hmm. um and and we're like well we could do it on the phone but that's not going to sound all that great and then it's like oh well what can we put out because it was our sh- our day was sunday so what can we put out mm-hmm. on sunday and i'm like well we're doing these young animal things on another channel how about i just compile some and we'll put them up because the audience we have on that channel and the audience we have on our channel are, are not totally the same so right. it'll be new ish and uh, so that became, like, an 18-episode thing where there was, like, a compilation of four little 20-minute uh, segments every single time. And uh, I was listening to the first episode of that, and it was probably two, 2016, and uh, it was like we sounded like kids. <laughs> and, I mean, we weren't, you know. Um, I, 2016 i was 36 he was probably 39 40 Mm. so i mean we weren't children but we sounded so young and it's just so weird how you uh how you change on the air and you don't even realize it yeah like i I don't know uh, when i'm as i'm
0: babbling now i feel like i'm babbling the same as i babbled back then but it's different it's weird so funny last thing and then we'll we'll move (laughs) and move into the next segment but it's so funny cuz like we just did a whole bunch of Suicide Squad stuff. Okay. Then, then there's a new there's a new movie. There's a new Suicide Squad movie. I don't know if you know that. Isn't uh, John Peanut in it? <laughs> yes, yes, Okay. I know that one. Can't see him. Um but so we did a whole so we released an old Suicide Squad review and then we did a new comic and we did the new movie review and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny cuz I'm I'm listening back to the 20 I 2016 review yeah. of Suicide Squad and we do a solid twenty to thirty minutes of just nonstop senseless yammering. There's a point at which Robert is listing off the ways he would murder Margot Robbie. <laughs> I was like, "What? Why? Why did we I mean, let we get this happen?" Here. Yeah, I, like nowadays, like you know, I have like buttons and shit. You know, when, when sure. people like go off topic. Too much. It's like, all right, like, we got to get back on track. Join here. it in. God, yeah. God, back then, we were like, and then when <laughs> I was in fifth grade, you know, like, what the fuck are we talking about? All right. So before we continue, um, this is the last source material live. That was no joke. Um, I picked this up when the pandemic happened, the lockdowns happened, and Jesse Starcher, we, you know, we jokingly say he became Mr. Essential. But what really happened was he started working 12-hour days, six, seven days a week, and he was not able to put the time and effort into crafting source material like he used to. Because unlike me, who's like a freeform jazz player, Jesse is a, a, he's like a <laughs> classical <laughs> composer. He likes to, yeah, edit, um, put time and energy into this. Um, and he very vociferously told me that, He was not going to just go live that he, you know, like Metal Hammer of Doom, he could easily show up for and just talk Mm -hmm. music and then go run away. Um, But he did not have the time working seven days a week, 12 hour days to edit a podcast. So I did not want to see all the comic book stuff die. And I didn't want to see his show, you know, get forgotten about. So I picked it up. And there were two or three people who steadily helped me on that journey. Um, and I have said goodbye to all of them up to this point. You know, there was Alexa Hana, who jumped on a lot of shows, most of which she enjoyed. And then there's two that I never stopped hearing about. And then <laughs> Evan Bevins, who like was somebody who I rarely even spoke to outside of the occasional show with Jesse and became a really good friend. And he jumped on a bunch of shows. Oh, Evan's great. Evan's yeah, Evan great. is awesome. He's been on your your show, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's He's, he's a good pal. But the fucking man. <laughs> the fucking man <laughs> with blood smeared across his broken nose <laughs> who stepped into the breach to help me do the most. And um, there were some good times. There were some Godzilla and hell times. <laughs> <laughs> and there were some bad times. There
1: were some rough and ready, too. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I didn't always pick winners, uh, but I tried. I tried to pick stuff that I thought would be a fun conversation. And but in all seriousness, um, Christian, I want to thank you for being um, a good dude and helping me out on this show. And um, I'm really glad that I get to do the very last one with you. So thank you that very much. That
1: means a lot. That means a lot. Thank you. I, You know me. I, I have very, very low self-esteem to the point where if anybody wants me to do anything with them, I always think like, well, what's what's the hook? You know, <laughs> You can't <laughs> possibly want to hang out with me. Um. So the fact that you did really means a lot, and uh, I don't get asked month. out much, so it's it's <laughs> the, nice.
0: The entire month where you picked every book was probably the most bizarre but fun <laughs> month I did. Was, oh, that like, was interesting. That was that interesting. Was yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer, yep. Starman,
1: Starman, Marvel. Oh God, Marvel. Yeah, and what another one. that was, yeah. that was yeah. wild. That was yep.
0: wild. Um, and then towards the end run here, I know we haven't had to do, we haven't had a lot of these to do lately, but. You know, we just did that Superman Grounded, and we, mm-hmm. did, the Bendis, we did the Bendis Superman. Yeah, yeah um, we did uh,
1: that Mark Miller... Um, what the hell was it? Jupiter's Legacy.
0: Yeah, we did Jupiter's yeah, Legacy. Yeah. And then kind of connecting to what we're doing tonight, smooth transition. Yeah, um, Baker. We did, did Scene of the Crime by <laughs> Ed Brubaker. And I did kind of a deep dive into Ed Brubaker, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, he did an X-Men comic. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chris Sheen does an X-Men podcast. <laughs> I bet he would do and I, I bet this won't end badly. Um if I, ask, if I ask him to do an X-Men book that Ed Brubaker wrote. So here we are, X-Men Deadly Genesis by Ed mm-hmm. Brubaker. So how familiar with this book were you before I pitched it?
1: Oh I, I read it when it came out. Um and this is uh this is a biggie. Um maybe not so much in retrospect. Um it does add a lot to the X-Men lore. It did answer some burning questions and some dangling plot threads from several writers before Brubaker even stepped into the uh, into the X family. It's an interesting one. And I remember it caught me off guard um, back in, what was it, 2004, 2005? Was that when it came out? It came out uh, right after House of M. So that's... 2006. 2006. Okay. Yeah. Those years blend together for me. But, <laughs> um, but it, this was a huge surprise for me. And as... 2006 I was broke as shit so um I didn't buy I didn't buy as many comics as I would have liked to and for some reason I accidentally picked up the first issue of this because it was a, it's a mini-series. now miniseries for folks who follow the x-men know mini-series can be really good or they could be dog shit and there's very little in between you know um they could add to the lore or they could be a complete waste of time. And I generally saw them as complete wastes of time. So I didn't pick up miniseries. I grab them now for a quarter if I find them in a bin somewhere. But paying, you know, four or five bucks an issue just mm. wasn't in my budget. It wasn't in my uh, wasn't in just wasn't in my wallet. Right. But I picked up the first issue of this. Maybe it was the cover that called that called out to me. The the callback to giant size number one. Don't know what it was, but I picked it up. And uh, totally fell for it when it uh, when it came out, it, and that's I haven't read it since then, so we're talking mm. 14 15 years ago was the last time I read this, and it was very interesting with uh, a lot of the stuff that's gone on in the interim because mm-hmm. uh, you know, they they refer to well, they did refer to the uh, the 2010s as like the dark decade for the X Men, they even called it that in the books mm-hmm. um, once. I don't know if it was meta or if it was just something I'm reading into because the 2010s was not a good time for the X-Men. But in the interim there, a lot of stuff changed um, to where we are right now with the X-Men books, which is a totally different thing altogether. It's uh, very interesting to go back and revisit this and see it as being a a somewhat seminal story, Um, but at the same time, a story it's interesting. This story does, I can't say the story doesn't break some of the toys because it does, but it adds so much more. It, it, you know, it, it's like a net positive at the end of the day. It's like, it's like, we're going to get into it as we go, but it's like, okay, well, we didn't trust Xavier before, but now we really don't trust the guy.
2: Yeah. And that was cool. I,
1: you know, cause it, it added to it. It's hard to walk back. Mm-hmm. But I, know did you, Good?
0: I know you're not a huge fan of the movies, but there's mm-hmm. the last one. Um, it's dark phoenix there's a line about you know charles is always a speech there's always a reason there's always a speech and nobody cares anymore
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it, you know and it's that allusion to professor xavier having manipulated one too many times mm-hmm. and being showing showing himself to be somebody who's very controlling and untrustworthy uh to the point where even his most ardent followers have just ultimately given up on him sure, sure. and i would imagine they drew some of that at least for the movie from What's happening to him? I mean, certainly, I could draw a parallel from what happened in the movie in that line from Magneto mm-hmm. to what happens in this book.
1: Sure, sure, and
0: um, it,
1: it's interesting uh, because on when I do the Essential X Lapsed, we started at X Men number one, and we're working our way through. Right now, we're up to around X Men twenty one or so. Also, covering all the guest men, guest men, the X Men guest appearances um, in the in, in between there. So it's like thirty episodes so far, but. Professor X, basically, it's very formulaic. But, Mm. I mean, it's Silver Age. It's Stan Lee. Stan was writing 600 books a month at this point. So it's formulaic. It's always the X-Men get into a fight with evil mutants. They come up just short. Professor X steps in, saves the day, Mm. and then mind wipes everybody so they forget. (laughs) That's it. I mean, we've seen it like five or six times in the first 20 issues of X-Men. It's like... Well, the blob knows where we live now. So, oomph. no, no, he doesn't anymore. He doesn't even know that he's a mutant. He doesn't know who he is. He's just gonna right. wander into the uh, into the ocean. It's
0: so, a I think the fam- moral quagmire, to say the least.
1: Big time, big time. Um, and I think it wasn't supposed to be when Stanley wrote it because mm-hmm. I think Stanley Stanley had this fascination with mutants. And mm-hmm. um, like six months before the X Men launched, there was a short story in Amazing Adult Fantasy Number Fourteen.
0: Hang on. Quick question about that. Mm-hmm. You said sure. that he had this thing with mutants. Mm-hmm. Was, people have always said that they, they, the the mutants were the stand in for gays. Um, did Stan Lee purposely do that? Like, did was Stan Lee no. saying? OK, I
1: think it was I think it was um, there definitely were parallels to uh, the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. A lot of that. I love Stan. I mm-hmm. love Stan. But a lot of that I think is retroactively stated. Okay. People are projecting
0: think, onto what was happening at the time.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. I think so. I think so. And I, I mean I don't know, Stan,
0: but right.
1: when when people when fans turned pro, you know, fan mm-hmm. the fans of the fifties and sixties turned professional writers. They were the ones with the sickness. They were the ones with the sickness that I have, where it's like, well, Beast used that gun in panel three on page five. So where did that gun go? A normal person doesn't give a shit, right? People like me and the and the fans who turn pro, like a Roy Thomas, say mm-hmm. they care about that. I care about that, so we want to have all the answers. So when the fans turn pro, we start to we start to add logic to everything. So it's like, well, ooh, we accidentally stumbled into this civil rights metaphor. So yeah, that was what we meant all along. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and and Stan, God bless him. Mm-hmm. He, he'll he never tell you no.
0: Stan Lee, is this a metaphor for homosexuals coming out of the closet? Why, yes! Yes, it is. Sure. <laughs> or it's like, is that the answer you want to hear? Yeah? Yes! Then
1: yes, it is. Yes. Did did Got you it. like them taking away Peter Parker and Mary Jane's marriage? Well, are you liking that? Yes. Yes! Yes! I, I'm all over it. They came to me and asked me personally, and I said, sure. That's, that's great. just That's just Stan. And uh, so I think a lot of it was just stumbled into... I might be projecting for all I know, mm-hmm. but, um, but the, uh, the fans who turn pro, they're the ones who read these early issues of X-Men and were like, and we like, wait a minute. Professor X is screwing with people. Yeah. He's, he's, he's wiping minds left and right humans, mutants, good guys, bad guys. He is just indiscriminate.
2: Right. It's like,
1: if, if people can figure out that he is with the X-Men, it's like, boom, you're done. It's like the uh, the joke where if someone finds out Batman's secret identity, you know they're gonna die by the end of the issue. Okay. So it's like if anybody got too close to the X Men, Professor X was just gonna take them right out with the with the mind wipe. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of the uh, the second generation of writers took notice of this and turned it into an actual plot point. Okay. Um, we go into like Chris Claremont, who is the one that a lot of us will, you know, say is is the X Men. He wasn't a huge fan of Professor X, which is why when he took over, Professor X went into space, <laughs> and mm-hmm. we didn't see him for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe he was an inconvenience. Maybe he didn't want
0: to address the diceiness of I, Professor X. I can't remember. Did Chris Claremont do Onslaught?
1: No, no, no. Okay. He was uh, he was gone at that point.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: but he he did. Now, Onslaught, um, now <laughs> Onslaught brought back a, a plot that Stan Lee wrote one panel about in X-Men number three back in 1963, where he expressed lust in his eyes for Ms. Jean Grey, who was like 15 or 16 at that point, and he was okay. a creepy old man. And uh, I think Stan realized, like, whoops, that's gross. So he never <laughs> mentioned it again. Right. But when they did Onslaught, they're like, oh, wait a minute. On that panel, in X-Men number three, he had the hot pants for Jean. so let's what, bring
0: that into this here, too. What if we do this 100-issue arc where, where he's a pervert, and he's also Basically,
1: he's Yeah, he's a pervert, and he's a world eater, and uh, he's half yeah. Magneto. It's, uh, it's a wild time.
0: Yeah. Sure. All right. <laughs> let's get into Deadly Genesis now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... <clears throat> uh, Hang on, whoops. Uh, you'd think this was the first time I did this. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna share my screen here for those of you who are like, What is he rambling about? Uh, all right, there we go. So, X Men Deadly Genesis is a comic book limited series published by Marvel Comics in the late 2005 to early 2006. The series was written by the aforementioned Ed Drew Baker with interior art by Trevor hair sign, and covers by Mark Silvestri. Starring the X-Men, the series celebrates the 30th anniversary of Giant Size X-Men number one. That's the international X-Men that we all know and love with Storm and Rain and Colossus and whatnot. Containing the story, titled Second Genesis. The plot deals with the X-Men looking for Professor Charles Xavier who went missing after House of M, speaking of breaking all the toys, mm-hmm. as well as the appearance of a new and incredibly powerful mutant threat. Um... So, Deadly Genesis is a retcon of classic giant-sized X-Men number one story titled Second Genesis of the 1975 by Len Wein. In that story, he used the abduction of the original X-Men by the living island Krakoa as an instrument to discard the first generation of X-Men in 1963. Yeah, in the toilet. (laughs) Wein's story depicts Professor X recruiting international characters into a new team of X-Men to rescue the missing original team. The new team replaced the old when most of the original X-Men left Xavier's school at the end of the story. In Deadly Genesis, Ed Brubaker writes that the episode was only the half the truth. The International X-Men had been Professor X's second attempt to rescue the original X-Men. The first attempt to retrieve the missing X-Men was conducted with a team of young mutants, the energy-wielding Vulcan, time manipulator Sway, the hyper-adaptive Darwin, um, and terrokinetic Petra, who had been taken by Moira McTaggart, which had ended in catastrophe, seemingly claiming all their lives. However, Vulcan had survived, Having absorbed the energies from his fallen comrades, like you do, when <laughs> Polaris, um, when Polaris, though mentioned incorrectly in the miniseries as Jean Grey Phoenix, blasted Krakoa into outer space in Giant's X Men Number One, Vulcan was shot into space too, but survived in a comatose state thanks to Darwin's reactive powers. After the debacle, Cyclops, Cyclops the only member of the group who was aware of the first wave was deeply distraught, prompting Professor Xavier to mind-wipe him as he mm-hmm. does in order to spare, the, spare him the agony and grief of knowing that his brother died for him and later working to clear his name by creating an elaborate illusion that Krakoa was sentient. After the 2005 House of M storyline, a large surge of mutant energies was released throughout the galaxy. It awakened the chromatose Vulcan and caused him to return to Earth. Out for revenge, he kills the X-Men Banshee, easily defeats the X-Men several times in battle with his now semi-godlike powers, and reveals the terrible truth to the X-Men in full view of Charles Xavier, who explains, I'm an asshole. Basically. Uh, <laughs> however, Rachel Summers is able to weaken Vulcan when she realizes that Darwin also survived <laughs> the attack, converting himself into energy and absorbing the powers of his teammates before combining with Vulcan. Rachel's actions appear separating Vulcan and Darwin. <clears throat> And weakening both. However, when the X-Men attack him in order to revenge Banshee, Vulcan flees into outer space, feeling deeply betrayed. Cyclops banishes the professor. <laughs> I live here. No, you fucking <laughs> no, don't not anymore. <laughs> Cyclops banishes Professor Xavier from the X-Mansion as punishment. The story Deadly Genesis continues in Uncanny X-Men 475 in a 12-part story called The Rise and Fall of a Shyar Empire.
1: That was only 12 parts.
0: <laughs> in theory. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all righty um all right man so let's let's talk about this sure this crazy story um so i mean i i have questions for you i'm really sure. more interested in your, your opinion on things one we talk about like you know breaking the toys and whatnot and mm-hmm. my first thought about this as i read this because I, I like the story let me start off there yeah i like the story a lot i liked you know what it had to say i like the idea that professor xavier was hoisted by his own kind of petard, you Mm -hmm. know, that his need to protect and control. And, you know, I'm so much smarter than the rest of you kind of a thing. um, Got him thrown out of his own house. Yeah. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, But between house of M you, you being an X-Men fan between house of M and this story, were people ready to like burn down Marvel comics? Like Um, this is a, this really like it's a big change cuts yeah. the knees out from this team in, in a lot of mm-hmm. ways.
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, a, lo- a lot of folks think that the House of M thing was an answer to Grant Morrison. Uh, the Grant Morrison run of uh, X-Men kind of made, uh, in the early part of this story, we have Beast talking about how there were, you know, a, what was it, 3 million mutants or something like that, and now there's mm-hmm. only a handful, relatively speaking. It, right. The number vacillates, the number that we usually go with is 198. Wolverine and the ones that sell some books. Basically. Basically. <laughs> yes. And the ones who don't have powers are going to somehow be repowered pretty soon. I I don't know. But um, it's, yeah, it's the A-listers and um, maybe a couple of people that Jeff Johns created when he took like his two-week stint at Marvel. We'll keep those two just to be nice. And uh, Joss Whedon made one too, so we'll leave her too. So that's fine. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the star effing and the uh, and the ones that sell. But uh, we were down to 198, in theory. It's wibbly-wobbly. But, um, yeah, Beast mentions that. That all came out of the mutant boom in Grant Morrison's run. Grant Morrison signed exclusive to DC. Joe Casada peed his pants and uh, stomped around in it for a bit. And suddenly, a lot of the stuff Morrison wrote is no longer valid. Um, it happened, but it didn't happen the way we thought it did. Um, I mean, we could talk about Zorn. We won't, we won't talk about Zorn, but, um, we could, uh, because Zorn was something that Grant Morrison put a lot of effort into and, uh, it changed quite a bit after that. But, um, I think it might've been a response to Grant leaving. Um, I don't know that they were so concerned about not having movie rights back in 2005, 2006, just yet, because, uh, what did Iron Man come out in 2008? 2009, something, something
0: like that, something
1: like that. Yeah, yeah. So, the Marvel Studios wasn't yet, you know, kicking like it was going to. So, no, I don't think this was a They weren't fit. yet
0: owned by Disney, so they were not the also true,
1: people, people also true. Yeah, that was what 2009 as well, I think. Uh, was it was a couple years later, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so they didn't have that. I the only thing I could think of is that they were ticked off at Morrison, so they had to do something to uh. And also, I mean, it, the, it was a paradigm shift because, like mm-hmm. we talked about at the start of the show here, the X Men were analogous to the civil rights movement. When suddenly you make the minority a majority, mm-hmm. you kind of lose the whole feared and hated sort of a sort of stigma. You lose the you lose the downtrodden. You lose the fear for survival because that's uh, something that the X Men have faced quite a few times in their time are extinction events, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I mean, there there've been some stories called, you know, extinction agenda, but uh, we're talking about just plain old extinction events here where someone threatens to wipe mutants out completely. And when, you know, you go back to the sixties and seventies and there's only, you know, generously speaking, a hundred mutants on the planet. Mm. Well, that's a possibility. You know, you can possibly take out a hundred people and then, you know, into the eighties and nineties is like, okay, well, there's a thousand of them now, but, Uh, still doable, still doable. Grant Morrison comes in, 3.5 million. Maybe
2: not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. Um, So it's, um, I think they were trying to winnow it back to where the X-Men could go back to being feared and hated. They -hmm. could go back to worrying about survival. Uh, Whereas during the Morrison run, they really didn't have to worry about that so much. So maybe it had something to do with that. Maybe it was just a new a new coat of paint for uh, for these characters uh, who like. Where do you go, right? You need to mm-hmm. shake things up here. And despite the fact that we comic book fans get called out for refusing change, all we get is change. Mm-hmm. We, we, we never get a status quo for longer than a year or two, so we're always getting change. So the people who call us out on that can can eat a bag. Um, but this the the one two punch here of House of M and this were, uh, it, it, I don't want to say incendiary, um, but uh, people weren't quite sure how to react to it. Um, I was still on message boards at this point. So mm-hmm. I was seeing, and, and this is before message boards were manicured the way they are now, where like if CBR doesn't like the way the direction, the direction the conversation is going, they wipe out everything. Uh, this is before that, where you were allowed to have discourse and this is pre, uh, pre-Twitter, pre I guess, or, or maybe it's not, I don't know. But um, whatever the case, you were allowed to disagree. You were allowed to complain. You were allowed to argue without being called any sort of ist or phobe. So it's a, it was a good time. So I remember liking this. I did not care for House of M. I did not like that at all. Uh, that kind of hit me as um, that's when I felt that Marvel stopped caring about the characters and they were more interested on appeasing creators because that was Bendis, mm-hmm. Bendis who hadn't written an X-Men comic at all at that point.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's like, well, we're going to take this guy who has a, you know, he's he's selling good on Avengers and the Ultimate books, uh, never written the X-Men before, but oh, you want to you want to basically remove them? Sure. Do it. <laughs> Wait till next year when Mark Miller wants to change Captain America into this and Iron Man into that because we're going to let him do that too, you know? So Yeah. This was I, a different time.
0: I um it's such a weird thing because, like, it's a really re- well written story. It is. Um, you know, the, this idea of, <clears throat> you know, it's a revenge story ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, these these people are with more Morry and they're not they're not X Men, right? Nope. They're there. They they're hardly our, even trainees.
1: They're not right. even trainees at this yeah, point. Yeah, they didn't sign no. up
0: for this. But like, I guess at this time, I guess among the mutant community, they're still like. X-Men kind of like the Avengers, you know, like, ooh, like, they have some cachet to them. There's some popularity here. There, you know, there's some celebrity. Oh, yeah. So so when Professor X is like, hey, I need more X-Men to go save some Mm X-Men. Be (laughs) X-Men. And more McGregor's like, stop recruiting people in, you know, in throwing them into combat. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, and Professor X is like, I don't know what else to do I don't want these <laughs> That's people all to all we do <laughs> yeah I I well I lost one team already so mm-hmm. I uh, I need help you know and it's like it's it's a believable fight to have it's you know it's sure. very reminiscent of like just a Vietnam or Iraq you know where mm-hmm. it's like there are rationales for fighting to happen but there are just as many rationales for why we should not get involved sure. Sure. Um, and so you have, you know, again, Professor Xavier who's like, I lost a whole team on Krakoa.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I need to go get them. I don't want these people to just die. And Mario is like, Great, not these people. They're not like trained combatants. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Try the fucking army, you psycho. Call the
1: Avengers. They're
0: out there somewhere, right? <laughs> I call the Avengers. <laughs> I think we should call the Avengers. Um and he's you know, and and it's so funny because there's no answer for that in this book you know, it's just, no, Mm -hmm. I'm Charles Xavier and this is what I want to do. And it's not like a common character trait of his of like, there's a perfectly good alternative. And he's like, no, I have decided we're doing this and this is what we're doing. And it's like, but Charles.
1: (laughs) I tell you what, um, there was, uh, this is going back to the essentials here, going back to uh, the 1960s. The, uh, what is it? Um, They had a three-part story with the Sentinels where the X-Men basically got wrecked by the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. Here was the first time we saw the Sentinels. Um they got wrecked by the Sentinels. Professor X figured out how to fix the Sentinels, you know, so he was able to end that problem, mm-hmm. but not without injury. So you have Iceman who was knocked out. He was KO'd, comatose basically until until they had to shoot him with a magical mystery medicine. But uh that's, you know, something else altogether.
0: I believe that was a Beatles album.
1: I think wow. it was. It was. It was. <laughs> um but Professor X is in the hospital room all the while saying he has no affiliation with the X Men. By the way, I'm just a human, uh, you know, with casual interest in mutants here. Uh, don't worry about that helicopter with the X taking off from my lawn. That's <laughs> nothing to see there. But uh, he's there, and it looks like Bobby's going to die. He mm-hmm. looks like he's not going to make it. And Professor X. He's and I'm sure Stan had absolutely no thought about what he had Xavier think. He's like Xavier's basically thinking about, wow, this makes me look really bad. If this kid dies, that makes me look really bad. What does that mean about my X Men experiment? And it's like a kid's gonna die, dude. You're worried about oh, someone's gonna think Professor X done screwed up. You know, so he's very much. About keeping things in house, I think keeping things mm. close to the vest here, despite all the the retcons that have gone out with him being part of the Illuminati and and all that kind of stuff, alongside Doctor Strange and uh, Captain America and Namor. This is all before that, <laughs> but uh, he liked to keep things in house, so it was more like he had he called Johnny Storm in to help with the Juggernaut fight the first time they fought the Juggernaut, mm. and the thanks Johnny got for that, mind wipe. <laughs> <laughs> you were never here. <laughs> Johnny's flying back. He's like, where did I just come from? Yeah, he's still on fire. So he likes to keep things in-house, which makes me realize that in his head, going to Maura McTaggart was the only option because he could trust her, he can control these kids,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: he wouldn't have to worry about it, he wouldn't have to worry about it becoming an incident.
0: So um The story kind of flip flops between past and present. Yeah, you know we can see on for those watching on video, we see on the screen right now, Cyclops and Rachel Summers are kidnapped. Hey, real quick, fifty words. Mm -hmm. Who's Rachel Summers?
1: Rachel Summers is an alternate future daughter of Cyclops and Jean Grey. Um, She goes by uh, Marvel Girl here. Uh, She has gone by Phoenix. She uh, right now she goes by Prestige, which is the worst name ever. Um, when she's mad at Cyclops, she goes by the name Rachel Gray. When she's not mad at Cyclops, she's back to Rachel Summers. Um, she okay. was, uh, she, she came out of the future. She was one of Ahab's hounds. Um, there's a lot to Rachel. There's a okay. lot of stuff to Rachel. Um,
0: did she survive the pizza? <laughs> what? <laughs> the pizza of Super Wars. Oh, 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 <laughs> Um,
1: she did, yes. Yes, she did. So she's still with us. She's still with us. She is. uh, She's now going by prestige. She lives. Well, she doesn't live on the moon anymore. She uh, was a member of X Factor, but X Factor got canceled. So Lord only knows what she's up to right at this very minute.
0: Okay. but she's still around. So Emma Frost is with this iteration of the X-Men. Clearly survived House of M and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, How did she land with this group?
1: Well, back in 1995, 1994,
0: mm-hmm. there was a
1: story called the Phalanx Covenant, where in the Phalanx, which are these like techno-organic beings, came into the Xavier Mansion and uh, basically took over the operations there, trying to find the next generation of mutants. So mm-hmm. they came in, and like one of them looked like Banshee, one of them looked like Gambit. So the few real X-Men that were still on campus didn't think anything was weird. You know, until until they did, and so uh, Banshee, the real Banshee, was uh, was part of this. Emma Frost was currently, she was. Oh boy, we got to go back here. Um, <laughs> when when Chris Claremont left the X Men, there was a story in Uncanny X Men two eighty one. Mm-hmm. Which left Emma Frost comatose. She was still bad at this point. Uh, her Hellions were killed by Trevor Fitzroy and a bunch of Sentinels. Okay. She was knocked into a coma. Professor X took her and uh, and they nursed her, which is to say, they reminded us that she was still in the sick bay like twice a year. It's <laughs> like, oh, Emma's still here. Okay, oh, Emma's still here. We're gonna we're working on that still. Yeah, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Well, during this phalanx thing, she wakes up, and uh, so we have Banshee. Emma Frost, Jubilee was still there, and uh, Sabretooth was a prisoner in the X-Mansion at this point. So that's our team of X-Men for this story.
0: Oh, Sabretooth, gosh.
1: Jubilee, Banshee, and Emma Frost.
0: I feel like like Sabretooth was a prisoner in the X-Men mansion for a long time, because isn't he still there during Onslaught? Um, He is... Uh, I think he's part of X-Factor during Onslaught. Okay. But
1: uh, in the lead-up to it is is right around the time we're talking about right now. So... They go out. They save the day. They're able to recruit these new mutants before the Phalanx do. That team becomes Generation X. Okay. So Emma Frost and Sean Cassidy Banshee, they are the headmasters of the Massachusetts Academy. They are in charge of Generation X. Generation X ran for 75 issues. It got canceled. Emma was moved over into Grant Morrison's new X-Men, and that's where she's been ever since. So this is not too long after that, so she's just still on the team.
0: All right. So we've been at this for a little bit now, and I, uh, I have more questions. I'm learning a lot from sure. you tonight. <laughs> I don't know how much, how much you're going to contribute of your own opinion, but I, boy, <laughs> am I learning a lot. Um, and I don't know. You used to have, like, copious notes. Did you write notes for this tonight?
1: No, I didn't think I needed to.
0: Okay. You're just going to yeah. wing it, which is, which is Winging cool. Winging it, like. it. I like doing it live. That's right. Um, but if you did write notes, you might have used Grammarly. Oh, yes. Grammarly's AI powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right, with that bit of business out of the way. I don't think I've ever put out a single tweet that had every word spelled right in it. <laughs>
1: See, you, I'm you pretty sure that. there's yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure there's always at least one mistake. I do a lot of copying and pasting and if I you know and but but Grammarly Grammarly helps me with all of my my <laughs> spelling errors and anyway. Um yes. moving on. So <laughs> one of the things I I liked about this also was that so this guy uh, so the whole point of like the story is that Xavier mm-hmm. sort of um drafts this group of people and he uses time manipulation to uh, get them caught up to speed in, in hours. And, in, you know, like Spock says in Star Trek two hours instead of days, minutes instead of hours, mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing. And so within a very short period of time, they are like fully trained X-Men and they go to this island and it all goes to shit and everyone dies. Um, yes. But as we, and so um, as we learn, you know, and then he goes into space and then as, as was explained, the, uh, the energy surge woke him up and then he came back down and he was like, hey, I'm still mad about this. Mm-hmm. And so this whole machination, this whole thing that he does is so that he can kind of shine a spotlight on what a shitty human being Professor X is. Yeah, that's it. That is a, like, he's not there to take over the world. He's not there nope. to hurt anybody. You know, like the little bit that he does to Cyclops and Rachel is he's, he's doing for, in the service, He's doing it to lore lore. Professor X. Yeah, Exo, yeah. In, in the service of getting to his master plan, which is to point and point everyone at Professor X and say he's bad,
1: <laughs> he's he, a dick,
0: and he and in an odd t- twist of fate in a comic book, the bad guy wins mm-hmm. because he succeeds. Like the most, and, and and this is what I want your opinion on. Mm-hmm. Like Scott Summers, the ultimate loyalist, right? Yep. Like if there's anybody that we, like the the short of actually killing professor x
1: which he will eventually do
0: the worst thing you can do is turn scott against him and that is what vulcan does he is successful Mm -hmm. in proving to scott that professor x uh is untrustworthy and then bans him from the mansion i just want to know what you thought of all that like again very uncommon in the world of the x-men at this time yeah
1: it's true. It's true. Um, and I mean, we had kind of a one, two punch at the end of the, uh, toward the end of the series here. One of our cliffhangers was professor X being like, Hey, I got no powers no more, mm-hmm. which was pretty crazy. You know? I mean, I, I can't remember if we already had the list of the one ninety eight at this point, mm-hmm. because, uh, Marvel will never turn down, uh, you know, a $5 bill. So they did put out a list that you could buy <laughs> for, uh, Four or five bucks. Okay. A listing all 198. It, it, was there also a,
0: a trading card of the 198? And you know there
1: should If it were 10 <laughs> years earlier, there would have been. Oh, okay. That's for certain.
0: Could you but, imagine? Uh, like packets of trading cards with like that shitty bubblegum. I'd have them. I'm sure I'd have them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, sure. <laughs> I remember you remember back in the day the T ammo. Yeah down the street. or oh, the you know, Tiamo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was all like the Return of the Jedi cards and oh, Garbage Pail yeah. Kids and your traditional baseball uh, cards. And right next to it, X-Men Deadly Genesis, the 198.
1: I've still got my Tiamo uh, cigar box nice. <laughs> in my
0: garage. Strong Island <laughs> represent. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh boy, I haven't thought about that in forever. But yeah, yeah, I had that.
0: Oddly enough, not the first time I've referenced Tiamo on, on this podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we would call it, because uh, I had trouble pronouncing it when I was a kid, so we just called it the five and 10 when I was little sure. and then it was Tayama when I was able to say it, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't remember if we didn't know if professor X was a mutant at this point or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was the big reveal. I don't remember how nebulous they left the one ninety eight special, but having forgotten all that stuff, it was pretty wowing, you know, <laughs> to, to see like, Oh, okay, well now he's not a mutant. And uh, so what good is he? Right. And it makes me wonder like, cause if he was a mutant, would he have just mind wiped everyone again?
0: Maybe. <laughs> you can't stay here anymore. You're a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you Blink. are mind wiped.
1: Yeah, who's to say this is the first time Vulcan came back ever anyway, right? He right. could have been back three or four times. He's like, no, no, no. Back to the crater, dude. No. <laughs>
0: just in you... an infinite loop.
1: <laughs> yes. You don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, then to have Scott be like, no, you got to go.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I do remember that we knew where Xavier was heading. Because they were doing a somewhat highly publicized book. Uh, I think it was Excalibur volume two or three at this point. Where Professor X was going to go to Genosha. Mm -hmm. Which uh, was destroyed in the very beginning of the Grant Morrison run. Uh, That's a big genocidal thing where uh, Professor X's evil twin sister, Cassandra Nova. Who he didn't know about. But eventually did
0: um, was she from the future too. No, no, she was in the womb with him. So oh, okay. she, was, uh, she was there, but um, I have to now ask mm-hmm. every character that you bring up. Are they from the future? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's
1: the <laughs> X-Men question in it. It's like, uh, yeah, it's more often than not. It's yes, but um, not in this case, but uh, she uh, destroyed Genosha killing um, hundreds of thousands of mutants and uh, professor X and Magneto, we're going to go to Genosha in this Excalibur series to kind of try to pick up the pieces. Um, it didn't go that long and it wasn't that great. This was post 2000s, Chris Claremont. So it wasn't that great. And, uh, Magneto also died at the end of Grant Morrison's run. So to have him just walk on cat on panel at the end of that first issue was is just like, huh? <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's just the way things go. So I think we we knew that Xavier wasn't going to be sticking around. So that part wasn't so much of a uh, surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he isn't a mutant, that was a little bit more surprising. But again, I can't remember how, how I felt when I first read it.
0: So two more things I want to bring up, and then whatever you got to say, and then we'll be done. done. One of the things that I liked about this also was... This is post House of M, mm-hmm. and the, the book opens with the Sentinels sort of watching, sort of like they're on like house arrest. Basically, yeah, the
1: O.N.E. Yeah,
0: um, which I, I I don't I wasn't quite sure how we got from House of own House of M and you know, millions of depowered mutants to everyone's on house arrest, but that's where we are. Yeah, there was a um,
1: decimate. It was the X Men Decimation special, which came out right after House of M, okay. which is where they basically dropped, you know, dropped it on us that day. Hey, when she said no more mutants, she meant it, mm. and uh, that's when we got Sentinel Squad One, and uh, they were put on basically, like you said, house arrest. Okay. They, the X Men were small and were watchable.
0: And gotcha. So they were manageable was, at this point. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, there's a lot. I bring it up because, like. The book is heavily laden, which makes sense, considering the kind of writer Ed Brubaker is. Mm-hmm. It's heavily laden with, like, governmental X-Men relationships. Yeah. And there's – you know, and it's – I I was thinking about Scene of the Crime, and I was thinking about, like, how much this reads at times like a procedural cop book. You okay. know, They're not, – not the whole thing, but there were – but every time, like, basically – at at the beginning um i want to say like this like the uh, the inciting incident is the plane crash yeah um so from the government's point of view it's like the x somehow the x-men are involved Mm -hmm. not directly indirectly either way they weren't supposed to leave the fucking house so we need to you know
1: well sure because it was the blackbird that caused the uh that caused the crash so yeah
0: So like immediately it's, you know, the government, you know, there were government agents on top of them and it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, and and then you have this faction within the X-Men like Emma Frost who are just trying to keep it together and just trying to not murder these people. Oh yeah. yeah, And then there's beast in the middle going, yeah, yeah, listen, (laughs) if we could all just get along here, you know, I really loved all that. I love the Mm -hmm. element of this book of like, Everything is this close to exploding, yeah. And oh and, yeah, and it's not an un- And people are not jumping to unreasonable conclusions based on no. facts on the ground.
1: No, and, and the way that Brubaker laid this story out, because I mean, if you're reading just the first issue of this, you don't outside of the cover, you don't know that this is a callback to to no. Giant Size. It's that it all comes like bomb- together. It also mm-hmm. looks like zombies. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's a Marvel Zombies book. Yeah, but I mean, you wouldn't know that it's a uh, that it's a callback or a continuation mm-hmm. or a retcon to giant size. All you're getting is a story that's very much in the gestalt of the X-Men of 2005,
2: 2006.
1: Mm-hmm. We're playing the cards by the LA. House of M is a thing. O.N.E. is a thing. Uh, this is the X-Men team that we currently have. Uh, Beast looks like a giant cat. I mean, they they have all the uh, all the, the trappings of that year. So mm-hmm. this is very much real. You know, this isn't a throwaway story. This is actually a must read if you're following the X-Men. And I just love the way that it's not until I think you have the cover of it up right now. Is that episode is that issue four?
0: That was episode, that was issue four,
1: yes. We didn't know until then that this was a giant size callback, really. Like we had some we had some hints. And I mean, for some of the more seasoned X-Men fans, we're kind of picking up on some stuff. But it wasn't until then where it's like, nope, this is it. And not only is this it, hey, you remember when Mr. Sinister said that Scott has more than one brother back in X Men number 23 back in 1992? And we just said, hey, don't worry about it. No big deal. Well, he does. And here he is. Here he nice is. to meet him. And, so and, he's, and
0: he's like half human, half shy, right?
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. No, no, I know he's completely human, but he was. Uh, but he was. His um... dad was Corsair. Yeah, his dad was Corsair, uh, but he was a- rapidly aged
0: by the Shiar. Is Corsair not Shiar? No, 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 no. He's human. Oh, okay. That's yeah, where I'm human. making my mistake. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's human. Uh, Ka- uh, Ka- what the hell is, Ka- is it Kathleen? Catherine Summers? So, whoever the hell the mother is, she's uh-huh. human too. But uh there is a half human, half Shiar Summers brother now, though. So we're up to four. Um <laughs> this is uh this is the brother that um, Fabian Nicieza wrote X-Men number 23 back in the long ago. And he was the one who had Sinister say uh, to Scott, he's like, well, you got to watch out for your brothers. And Scott's like, brothers? He's like, oh, brother, I mean. I mean, brother. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I mean,
0: brother. That's basically like, what he says. This is like the Back to the Future family photo where it's yeah, like <laughs> it fading everything.
2: out.
0: <laughs> wow. it, and it
1: was basically just kind of hand-waved away. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I meant your brother, Alex. Yeah, You know, you know we, we're, we're talking a lot. I say a lot of words. Just don't listen. <laughs> and uh, and Fabian say there was a character called Adam X, the Extreme, which is a character that... Um, it's basically everything about 90s comics that people claim to hate in one character. Like, yeah. you do you remember the episode of Seinfeld with Dan Cortez on it, or Dan Cortez, where they go rock Maybe. climbing? Okay, where you know how like Dan Cortez, the MTV sports guy, backwards yeah. hat, you know, the floppy hair. The Adam X is basically that. Okay. You know, he's basically, he's just, he needs to have like a surge or a Mountain Dew or something, and he'd be just that guy. But uh, they finally came around because. Fabian Issa intended for Adam X to be the other summer's brother, half human, half she are with the implication that Scott's mom was, was had, someone had her way, their way with her impregnated her while she was captive. And then she had this child and uh, never went anywhere until a book called X- men legends came out about four <laughs> months ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they
0: finally brought that into continuity. So we're up
1: to four now, but, uh, yeah.
0: The ever expanding brothers and sisters of various Marvel characters.
1: It's true. And I mean, there's actually a chart in X Men Legends number two with the Summers family tree. And it is baffling because there's so many future children, alternate future children. It, it's like Scott and Emma Frost have a kid named Ruby Summers in a different future. It's insane.
0: I have a fun podcast game, mm-hmm. also a drinking game, mm-hmm. where you have to track you have to like trace. Various fictional family trees. Okay, and when <laughs> and when they stop making sense, you take a drink. Like I, we and, but, we burned
1: to the table already.
0: Yeah, I, I would yeah. say with with just the X Men, that would be a good one to get kidney failure. Okay. Um, the other one would be Lord of the Rings. I I spent I couldn't an say, but I I believe it. Yeah, I spent an afternoon trying to trying to figure out the line of the 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 line of Thorin and Oakenshield, and, and it was like by the end of it, I was like, uh, uh okay. The wife um, and I.
1: The wife and I did that with Days of Our Lives.
0: Oh, yeah? Is that another one? That'll be episode oh, three. Oh,
1: my God, dude. Um, <laughs> and it's like, the, and you know, the continuity that fans know, mm-hmm. they know a lot more than the writers do. Because the writers, it's a job. For the fans, it's a passion. So it's like, you can see two people get together and be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. 15 years ago, they were brother and sister. How, how are they banging now? Soap operas are insane. The X-Men are... They're a soap opera. It's insane.
0: <laughs> All right. Last question. Sure. Last thing I wanted to deal with here. And I and I wanted to deal with it just because, like, I saw the name Darwin, and I was like, why mm-hmm. does that character sound familiar? Does he... And it's just kind of a two, two-part two thing here. One's a mm-hmm. question, one's a statement. I remember looking at the Darwin character, who... who because that, That's the, the resolution to this book, is that Dar- they are able to separate the energy out of Vulcan. Darwin reforms... Um, my question to you is: mm-hmm. Does Darwin have any kind of an impact on the Marvel universe beyond this book?
1: Not a big one. Okay. Um, he would join X Factor, um, which was uh, the Peter David book where okay. it was less a superhero team and more of a, a private investigation firm. So they would uh, basically go on cases.
0: No, if this was after two thousand six, there's no way I read it. But I feel like there was an iteration of X Factor that I read with Multiple Man and. The... That was,
1: yeah, that was, um, there was a Peter, Peter David had two runs okay. uh, with, uh, with X-Factor. The first one was uh, X-Factor number 71, which mm-hmm. was right around the time Chris Claremont left. So big, huge changes to the X-Men family of books. Um, X-Factor was originally the original five, of course, um, mm-hmm. Scott, Gene, Warren, uh, Bobby, and Hank. Right. They were shifted back into the main book. And so we got like this weird Sort of kind of the guy,
0: multiple man, strong
1: guy, multiple man, Quicksilver, Polaris, Wolfsbane, Havoc, uh, run by Val Cooper.
0: I definitely read some of that because I remember Mm -hmm. they were not that was not a traditional superhero team either. They were
1: like they were government, uh, they were the government team,
0: yeah. But uh,
1: with the second run, it was X Factor Mm -hmm. Investigations, and Darwin wound up hanging out there. Uh, he is currently, um Part of the, not, he's not part of any team, but he did show up in one of the Hickman uh, stories where he, X23, who is a clone of Wolverine or a copy of Wolverine, I guess we can't call her a clone. Yeah, she's Girl Wolverine um, for, for, yeah, all the, she's, for all she's, the kids out there. <laughs> she's Girl Wolverine. So it was a uh, sink from Generation X, Girl Wolverine, and Darwin were sent into a thing called the Vault. Now, the Vault is a strange place where time goes differently. So uh, they spent an afternoon there, which was really a hundred years, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but Darwin was part of it because of his adaptability and the fact that he could uh, he could adapt to adapt. he wouldn't age and he would just be a really good he would be a really good uh, pair of boots on the ground in this tumultuous situation. And then Sink, his powers were that he can kind of steal powers, so he can steal powers of adaptability from. Darwin and he could also steal healing a f- factor from Girl Wolverine so he doesn't have to worry about aging. Girl Wolverine doesn't have to worry about aging, so it was kind of a, a perfect storm of, of an, a weird little odd trio team, I guess. But yeah, he's still around, he's still around, and so are Petra and Sway.
0: They're so, back. I bring up Darwin only because so Darwin showed up in X Men First Class, which was the sort of quasi reboot of the X Men movies. Oh, okay, a movie, okay. <laughs> They did the first three, X-Men, um, X-Men two United, and then X-Men three, um last stand. The last stand okay. and then they were like, All right, let's let's get a new cast. We got we got James McAvoy as Professor X and they got what's his face from um from Alien Covenant uh, Prometheus rather, as uh as Magneto and, and Jennifer Lawrence as mystique, right? And it was like this was supposed to be the prequel and This and is they where they did, were younger. Yeah. This was like this was when they were first starting out, and they were and they were trying to attach the X-Men to a particular place in history. So like this one was around the Cuban Missile Crisis. And then the okay. second one, the second one was around JFK's assassination and all of that, and it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, the reason why I brought that up is I remembered there was a character who they killed off almost immediately.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They they we we spend time getting to know this guy. His name is Darwin. Okay, and he's like, "Oh, I can adapt to anything." And they like he like you know puts his face in a fish tank and he grows gills, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, 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 because he gets a swirly here and he grows gills,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> and I remember like they killed him in the first attack on the group, and he dies immediately. And I'm like, "Why did they?" And I was thinking to myself, this is why I'm bringing this up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I remember thinking at the time like they must have just wrote him for the movie. There's <laughs> no reason to have brought in an actual stupid me. There's no reason they would have put an actual legacy X Men character in this dumb movie and kill him immediately. Wouldn't that annoy the fans? They must have just wrote him for the movie. And nope. He's this Darwin.
1: Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> real. It's not like uh, it's not like Morph in the uh the animated series back in the day where so,
0: even crazy. they retconned
1: that into a real guy too. So
0: <laughs> Darwin's death has been met with derision from fans and critics due to many feeling that his powers should have made him immune to Shaw's energy blast, combined with the fact that his death was an example of the black guy dies first, trope. Uh, he was a black guy in there? I thought he, he, was. A, I thought he was a Hispanic guy. No, he was in this one. He's a black dude. Okay. All right. So um, that's my thoughts, basically, mm-hmm. on X-Men Deadly Genesis. I really, really like the book. I mm-hmm. like talking about it. I learned a lot listening to you talk about the short history of everything that ever happened in X-Men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on the book? you know I've been talking for a long time, just kind of peppering you with questions. But, like, tell me your thoughts.
1: Um, I mean, I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. And it got me very excited for Brubaker taking over Uncanny X-Men. Because at this point, I think it was Chris Claremont again. Yeah, it was Chris Claremont again. And love Chris Claremont, but this was not Chris Claremont. Um, this was not uh, this was not wonderful uh, Chris Claremont. So I was happy to get any sort of new voice mm-hmm. in the books here. Uh, we had Brubaker Baker on Uncanny, and I think Mike Carey uh, came in. He was the guy who uh, he m- was most known for uh, writing Lucifer over at uh, DC Vertigo at this point. He came over to do adjectiveless X Men, or was it Peter Milligan? It was. It was they, they both came around the same time, but uh, it felt like a, a breath of fresh air. And despite the fact that I was not a fan of House of M, I was not a fan of the fallout of House of M. Uh, I was a little. I, I guess I was a little butt hurt by House of M. Um, I liked. I liked that we were actually moving forward, and it felt, it felt fresh again. It felt new. One thing I was not really a fan of with this book, I didn't care for the art.
0: Oh, really? Um, Why do you yeah, like the art?
1: I felt it was too loose. And I mean, he, uh, Trevor Hursine only did uh, layouts for issues two through six with uh, multiple pencilers under him. So that might add something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt, uh, you know, one of the things that I'll say on my show, I'll, I'll say uh, this feels like x-men unlimited art (laughs) a little bit (laughs) okay um for folks who don't know what x-men unlimited is it's a it was basically the quarterly book where you'd get not great stories uh you'd get it was basically marvel's way of fleecing you for another five bucks uh four times a year and uh damned if the stories fit anywhere or made sense or anybody cared about them or anybody put any effort into them and i mean that's painting with a broad brush of course but uh it's what i do sometimes um the just felt loose okay um, which when you have mark silvestri on the covers it's like okay i can do that and then you turn you open it up and it's like eh, okay and I, and I and i was a big Hersine fan he did a he did a book called class war no no was it was he class war i think he was class war uh, from a company called ComX. uh came out around 2002 um and I bought it. I bought it the day after Thanksgiving, 2002, because I was headed to a temp job, where uh, I was working at a rebate center answering phones for about two weeks. So, don't know why I can remember that, but hey, it's what you do. Um, but I liked him on uh, Class War. Here, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was his best work, but um, but it did feel fresh. It did feel new. Um, we were still coming off the. Uh, I think we were, uh, the Joss Whedon stuff I think was still going on because Joss Whedon couldn't get off his ass and write a comic book, so he wrote 25 issues that took eight and a half years to, no, it took about four years to come out, but uh, took a damn long time, and it was holding up the entire X Men line because that was being framed as the flagship book, okay. and so we had X Men, we had Uncanny X Men, and we had Astonishing X Men. Uh, Wh- Whedon was on Astonishing X Men, so everything else kind of treaded water while he was putting his story together. So the writers of the day couldn't do, they couldn't do much because they couldn't do something that he wanted to do. They couldn't do something that was going to contradict something he was planning to do. It was very stagnant. And like the four times a year, you'd get an issue of astonishing. It's like, okay, we can move the story ahead. And then it was decompressed as shit. So it's like, wow, I waited four months and we got like five minutes of story. So it's uh, (laughs) a, Not great times for the X-Men at this point. So to see that there's going to be some progression, to finally get some answers about the third Summers, brother, to tie it into Krakoa. uh, As I mean, Krakoa, when I was a kid, Krakoa was just a trading card. You know, I didn't know Mm -hmm. what the... I didn't understand the import of it because I don't think it was ever supposed to have import. It was a a means to an end to put together this new team. But the way that Brubaker crafts it here... Where there are some holes in that giant size story. And Brubaker saw that. It's like, well, why would Krokoa let Cyclops go? How would he know that Cyclops would go and bring more mutants? You know, a lot of grains of salt, you gotta you know, like factor into that. Because that that's the story of Giant Size. Krokoa has the X Men, which were uh, it was Gene, Beast, Angel, Iceman, Polaris, and Havoc. Let Cyclops go. So Cyclops flies back home and he's like, oh, the X-Men were kidnapped. They're they're stolen by an island. Which is kind of a hole. Brubaker saw that and he's like, well, wait a minute. No, no, no. These four kids saved Cyclops and then they died. So they died saving Cyclops. That's how Cyclops got away. And I thought that was a real, real cool piece to add to the lore because it, first of all, it just makes more sense. And second, it makes uh, it makes what happens to the uh, Deadly Genesis, you know, quartet all that more tragic, because they died they died for a footnote, you know. And mm. it's uh, it's really really good stuff. Um, it's I, I part of this uh, that I kind of questioned is that I don't know if Brubaker Baker was trying to make it sound like Krakoa wasn't actually sentient.
0: That was the impression I got that that okay yeah because that that's reading from Professor Arabia. Rex yeah
1: yeah because uh, Krakoa is sentient of course um that I don't know if maybe I read it wrong uh, that's certainly mm. a possibility but um but yeah Krakoa is a living island I mean the X Men live on this island right now as we're reading the Jonathan Hickman run which is coming to an end soon so uh, Krakoa is the place where they all live it does have a face it does talk so it's sentient. But um, yeah, I, I, this is this is good stuff. Um, it's so rare we get a mini series that matters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So to get one and to get one that matters quite this much and that leads into a fairly you know a really good run of Uncanny X Men at a time where we weren't getting very many of those. How long good did the,
0: how long did Brubaker's run on Uncanny X Men go?
1: Brubaker he stayed until I want to say 2010, where okay. he brought. He brought Matt Fraction on as a co-writer. So uh, you had Brubaker and Matt Fraction doing Uncanny, and then Brubaker went off to do uh, other things. Uh, Captain America was probably
0: among it. <clears throat> he, he did a bunch of stuff, and and Fraction just became the Uncanny writer at that point. Right. I might use my Comixology account to kind of peer through the... Um, read through the Uncanny X-Men and Brubaker. Is there Are there any other miniseries connected to this?
1: No. No, I mean... There's the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire, which is the 12-part story. Mm. Then there's something called X-Men Emperor Vulcan, where Vulcan kind of becomes the emperor of the Shi'ar. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gets kind of dicey. And then they make they make Vulcan into more of like a cosmic character, where he gets involved with like the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, and all those characters. He's kind of in that milieu for a bit. Uh, right now, he is uh, just Cyclops' brother getting drunk because he's uh, depressed on Krakoa, alongside Petra and Sway, who are somehow back. I don't know how they're back, (laughs) but they're back.
2: Okay, Um, cool.
1: Yeah, it's weird that they're back, because the story is that, uh, not to get into too much current year stuff here, the X-Men can resurrect. They can come out of, uh, they're put in these gold balls, they come out, they're reborn if they die.
0: Oh, is that what you were talking about before? Okay. Yes, yes.
1: So uh, they can come back, but this is all due to Cerebro <laughs> technology that Professor X didn't discover until he met up with the Shi'ar, which was around the time of X-Men number 106, 107, back in the long ago. Petra and Sway died before that. So mm. Cerebro works on like backups, data backups. So he basically downloads consciousnesses and, for lack of a better word, souls. I mean, that's okay. the big watchword. We don't know if they're souls or not. We don't know if they're legit. But that's the gimmick. He can he downloads and he puts it back up in his his uh cerebro helmet. And when these bodies are reborn, he downloads into them their memories.
0: Is that why, like in all like the House of Swords and Swords of X and Game of <laughs> Game of X and Game of Swords, the Hox, Pox, wearing... Sox, Rocks, Socks era? Yeah, yeah. They're all they're wearing this. That's why helmet. he's wearing his helmet. Yeah. Okay. Got he it. only
1: he's only taken the helmet off like two or three times in the past two years. Okay. Which made a lot of us think it wasn't even him under it. It is, but it uh, made a lot of us think otherwise. Right. But um, yeah, Petrin's Way died before Cerebro backups were a thing. They're still somehow back. I don't know how, but they are, and they're drunk a
0: lot. Okay. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Okie dokie then. All right, man. Well, this has been a fun conversation. I'm glad yeah. we got a chance to do this. Yeah, so- me too. Um. All right, man. Obviously, you're like the master of all things X Men. But what are you listening to these days?
1: Listening to, in so far as music. Yes. Music. What am I listening to? Um, this is gonna sound like I'm joking, but uh, I've gotten into. I'm a huge fan of Michael McDonald. You know, okay.
0: Doobie Brothers, Steely Dan. Uh, sure. His own stuff. I want to say like both of those. Two out of three of those, I know of for a fact. I think are touring. Brothers and Steely Dan, yeah, they're.
1: I think they are the uh,
0: they're the it's the dad tour or something like that. (laughs) Not really, it
1: should be, it should be, but I'm a huge fan of late Mm -hmm. 70s, early 80s music, uh, the yacht rock stuff. And um, I've been really listening to a bit of Rick Astley lately because he sounds so much like Michael McDonald, like they have that same sort of range, that same depth, Mm -hmm. and and like. Uh, my wife's listening. I'm like, does this guy sound like Michael McDonald? And she's like, I thought it was him for a second.
0: like, Rick Astley as in never going to give you up. Never. let yes, you Down. Okay. Yes. Together Rick, forever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The
0: Rick roll guy. Got it.
1: Yeah. Him. Yeah. And I've gotten such an appreciation for his, his talent, his range. Mm-hmm. And it's just so reminiscent of Michael McDonald. And uh, I'm just digging it right now. So that's kind of where <laughs> what I'm listening to.
0: Well, if you're looking for tons of Rick Astley and Steely Dan and you know mm-hmm. the kind of music that you know 50-year-old white men listen to, yes. then you can get it all on getAmazonmusic.com <laughs> slash W2M network. That's get Am- I assure you there's plenty of Steely Dan. I'm on sure I'm slash sure. W2M network. I gotta hear some um, peg. That's right. Um, <laughs> we're giving away a free 30-day uh, trial of Amazon Music Unlimited. So if you Click the link in the description of this podcast uh fill out the information you know sign up for the free 30 days uh you can stream all you want there's a whole s- just cavalcade of music out there that you can you know way back in the in in way back in the day Chris and I got together talked some um, talk some Hulk some maestro mm-hmm. that show just went up recently as a matter of fact and I don't know if you remember this or not Chris because it was so long ago mm-hmm. remember uh cannibal hulk that was on AmazonMusic.com. Yes. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cannibal but, hope, baby. Remember we talked, about, uh,
1: we talked about Entombed.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's the, right. The,
1: the Wolverine Blues. I
0: wonder if that's on there. Yeah, It absolutely is. It's all there. <laughs> so uh, click the link at AmazonMusic.com slash W2M Network. Helps the podcast. It'll help you out. You get a free 30 days. You like it. You keep it. You pay the monthly fee. You don't. You cancel it. No fuss, no muss, no contracts. No pains in the ass. All right. Mm-hmm. With that said... Uh, go ahead and plug your stuff, man. What do you got going on? Sure. Sure. Uh,
1: same as it ever was. Um, it's X lapsed uh, all day, every day, all the time, many, many hours of day, uh, and night mm. <laughs> and setting the alarm, you know, six or seven hours before the wife wakes up so I can write scripts and all that happy stuff. And, uh, just take care of business before the actual business day starts. So, and you and you and Bailey got some shit going on. We do, we do. We have Quester days coming out a couple of times a month where we're talking about the uh, the Marvel Epic run of ElfQuest. Uh, we're actually making a little bit of headway into the uh, to the official X uh, no official ElfQuest X ex, Quest. now the official ElfQuest uh, Facebook group here. Uh, Mr. Bailey is a lot better at public relations than I am and is able to stoke up conversations because. Uh, when I'm not on mic or on camera, I don't speak. You know, it's just kind of the way I am. Um, I just nod a lot. So uh, Bailey is the master of that, and he's been making some strides there, and I think getting us some uh, some new uh, engagement, some new listeners. And uh,
0: I tease Bailey really good. now. I tease Bailey hmm. because Bailey is super positive on a lot of things, fraternals, and he and I kid him because there's me <clears> who <throat> has discernible taste. And then there's Bailey, who seems to like everything. And there's a TikTok trend, and it goes, "I like you have a cupcake." I like you have a cupcake, and it's very—it could be whatever it is you wanted to be for that particular TikTok video. Okay. It's like, I like you have a cupcake. I like you have a cupcake, and then it'll go to a third thing and go. Ugh. I now refer to Bailey as the "I like you have a cupcake" girl. <laughs> <laughs> he is very positive. <laughs> he is super positive. <laughs> for I,
1: I I envy him
0: that. <laughs> yeah man, no kidding right um all right um <clears throat> so you got the you got the alpha. is that like one issue per podcast
1: yeah yeah it's okay. one issue per podcast uh there's 32 issues of that marvel run
0: i was gonna say there's, there's like 20 or 30 some odd issues of that thing yeah
1: 30 32 yeah so Thank we'll you. be covering all of them just like we did with uh, moratory mondays which i think that was 31 issues so we did that last year
0: my god but... you guys will be podcasting forever yeah yeah <laughs>
1: yeah, we figure that each one will be about a year, so each project uh, is about a year. So it's a uh, it's a nice, it's a nice change of pace. I, I do miss the moratorium. I believe he misses it as well. But it, it's fun to do something that uh, is so, so seminal in our fandom because mm-hmm. uh, this is stuff that I mean, I didn't, I didn't uh, discover comics. I discovered ElfQuest, and from right. ElfQuest, I discovered comics.
0: There were three comics in the Seven Eleven down the block from where I used to live. <laughs> it was Spider Man. And then, like, there was always a Spider-Man. There was always like an X-Men comic, and then there was always ElfQuest. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's, uh... when you guys started doing that, I was like, oh my god! Like, somebody else remembers ElfQuest besides me.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I give ElfQuest all the credit and blame for me sitting behind this microphone right now. Mm-hmm. If not for ElfQuest, I would have never gone to I, a comic book
0: store. And I'm shocked no one's ever done anything with it. Like, like it's it's one of those weird like. It's out there. It lends itself mm-hmm. to adaptation, but I don't think there's ever been like a cartoon or a movie. They've tried.
1: It's That's actually something that uh, we're, we're trying to get information on now because mm-hmm. uh, the big news is that ElfQuest has an audio movie that's coming out soon. They, okay. they ran a Kickstarter and it uh, it blew up. I mean, it, it totally it met the goal and then some. And uh, they've got uh, some, I wish I could remember the names that are involved in it, but there are some names involved in it who are going to be doing voices. Uh, unfortunately, me and Bailey were not asked. So
2: uh,
1: <laughs> we, we'll be wolves. We'll be we'll be uh, birds. We'll be whatever you want. We can make noises. We can we can be dead humans. We can go. Ugh! We can do whatever you want. So uh, we're we're there for you for anybody who wants our vocal stylings and talents. But uh, right. yeah, it's uh, they're are working on stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, this is the last source material live, but source material already had its first comeback episode. Um, Sean Comer and Jesse Starcher. Uh, did JLA Titans, the Technus Imperative, and that dropped the same day as Titan Season 3 on HBO Max, formerly of DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he comes back in earnest uh, this coming week, a week from today. It'll be uh, him and Chris Armstrong talking Shang-Chi from 2020. <laughs> and... <laughs> You dodged a bullet, see? Uh, I've, I've
1: got a I've got a Shang Chi issue I got to do because Wolverine's in it for X laps, and I am not looking forward to it.
0: No, um, and then him and Cole Marent, I believe, will be finally, 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 Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, doing Transformers: <laughs> Back to the Future. Um, his last two syndicated source materials will be coming out on September twelfth and the thirteenth. The first one is Savage Dragon number one. And then just in time for the new FX on Hulu series, Why the Last Man, is his syndicated source material for Why the Last Man. And um, then we're skipping a couple of weeks, um, and he'll be back in October with uh, something. Mm -hmm. I'm sure (laughs) of it. Somewhere in here, uh, there should be, yeah, there should be, why don't I have it on here? Uh, there should be a new, um, Carnage comic, uh, Venom and Carnage for the new Venom. There it is. Jesus Christ. Um, Venom, Carnage Unleashed. And he'll be doing that with Jason Teasley. And so, uh, but all that to say that I hope this won't be the last time we have Christian on the network. Uh, (laughs) I hope that you and Jesse and maybe you, Jesse and me will all get together again, uh, with him in charge, him leading the pack. And we'll, we'll do more comics. You know, we got I'm Doom always Patrol. around. June Patrol season three uh, is coming out in a couple of months, so hopefully we'll Coolest have cosplay ever. <laughs> so we'll have <laughs> you hopefully pick another book for us to talk about, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know whatever else we're interested in. So in the meantime, perfect. Um. Yeah, man. This is this isn't the end. It's only the beginning. Um. <clears throat> in the meantime, tomorrow, myself and Robert Winfrey will be reviewing Odd Taxi. Uh, we just dropped a couple of Hellraiser, Old Long Road to Ruins, Parts 1 and 2. We look at the entire Hellraiser series. And we're doing that because that's a Clive Barker jam, or at least some of it was. And Clive Barker also uh, brought us the Candyman movies, at least in part. So there's a new Candyman movie coming out this Friday. We're dropping Clive Barker material, uh, those two Hellraiser shows, etc. Um, we're doing another chapter of the Four Kings of Boxing this week. This time, looking at good old Sugar Ray Leonard, one of the 98 guys referring to themselves as Sugar in in the world of boxing. (laughs) Speaking of Sugar, myself and Alexis Haina will be reviewing season one of Jellystone. My son, God bless him, I gave him a choice. We could watch Jellystone, our Masters of the Universe revelations. He was like, fucking Jellystone, dude. And I'm like, all righty. Is that a Yogi Bear thing, I'm guessing? Yeah, that is a new Yogi Bear cartoon. Um, on HBO, what we Mad. needed the world needed it. No, we did not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after watching it, no, we didn't. Uh, and then, like I said, you know, it's all Clive Barker and Candyman related stuff this week. So, before the new Candyman movie comes out, myself and Sean Comer will be doing a Long Road to Ruin for Candyman from 1992, I believe it is, and then um, the two direct video sequels that came out after it. So, we're going to look at all three of those. Uh, right before the new Candyman movie comes out. And with that, that is our review of X-Men Deadly Genesis. Every time I say that, I want—I think of this band Three Inches of Blood, and I just want to yell out deadly sinners. Uh, I deadly thought maybe you were thinking sinners?
1: about uh, Phil Collins and seeming to have an invisible touch or uh, <laughs> singing about how he can't dance or he doesn't care anymore.
2: Ah, can't dance. Ah! <laughs> I-
0: that's the one. And when <laughs> I start singing, it's time to go. So, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so for Christian, uh, thank you once again for all your help this past year and for coming on tonight. You're awesome in all kinds of ways. Thanks, thanks and for I appreciate you. Me. Thank you. Right back all at right. You. Uh, be well. Be safe. And behave.